0: Our Grace Valley Church gathered together to worship. Uh, I want to welcome all of you to our worship service this morning, whether you are a, a regular attendee of Grace Valley or a visitor, a welcome to all of you, and, and especially to those of us who are visiting uh, from places unknown, I suppose. Uh, we're glad you found us, and we hope and pray that your time worshiping with us will be uh, a blessing to you and to all of us uh, as we lift up the name of our Savior Jesus together. And of course, if you are new to the Christian faith or rediscovering the Christian faith and you have any questions, uh, maybe this service will, will pique some questions for you. Um, we, we invite you to uh, check out our website, gracevalleychurch.ca, where you can find contact information there. Uh, we would love to continue the conversation as you're exploring who Jesus is and what he means for you in this world we find ourselves Um, last week yes we had some problems with our live stream but we are very very hopeful that things are are fixed and we don't have the same problems this morning but just in case we are recording the service as well and so if we run into live stream problems we will upload the service as soon as we can and you'll be able to access it on our youtube channel Grace Valley Church Dundas, you can find it there on YouTube. And we're going to try something uh, this week uh, that we didn't try last week, thankfully, but we hope that it works now. Uh, during the final song, if you have questions related to the message, you can text them to me, 905-517-0936. That number, again, <laughs> it's flashing on the bottom of your screen. No, it's not that bad. Uh, is 905 905- Five one seven zero nine three six. You can uh, text me questions during the final uh, song or during the sermon itself, if you'd like, and we'll try to do a Q and A after the final song uh, if there are any questions. Hopefully that'll work. It's something that we typically did when we were meeting together live, and we're we're hoping that this uh, that this works. Uh, one announcement just to share with you: We want to uh, congratulate Elizabeth, John, and Jane Heisinger's daughter, who. Uh, Uh, whose child was born this past week mother and child are doing well and uh, we celebrate with them the good news of new life in their family so elizabeth congratulations to you as well those are all the announcements as far as i know nobody's saying there's more so why don't we uh, prepare ourselves to worship together in prayer please pray with me almighty god and heavenly father thank you once again for drawing us into your presence this morning. Thank you for the technology that allows us to do that. We pray, O Father, that you would rest upon us in power by your Holy Spirit to open our lips to sing your praises, to open our mouths to pour out our hearts to you in prayer, and Father, to open our ears to hear you speak to us through your word. And ultimately, Father, open our hearts to receive your message of salvation that old old story that never gets old in our hearing because it is the greatest news in the world father please remove from us all the distractions it's hard for some of us maybe at home with uh, young children running around uh, or maybe with intermittent interac- uh, internet access or, or whatever uh, that can stand in the way of us focusing our attention on you please be gracious and remove those distractions from us so we can focus our attention on you, the God who created us and redeemed us. And be pleased by our worship, we pray. We offer it as, a, as an offering of thanksgiving and gratitude to you humbly and with our whole hearts through the power of your Holy Spirit and in the name of Jesus we pray, amen.
1: O kingdoms of the earth, sing to God, sing praises to the Lord, to him who rides in the heavens, the ancient heavens. Behold, he sends out his voice, his mighty voice, ascribe power to God, whose majesty is over Israel and whose power is in the skies. Awesome is God from his sanctuary, the God of Israel. He is the one who gives power and strength to his people. Blessed be God.
2: Hold me Yon wonders beyond our galaxy. You are holy.
3: when we sing before the throne of God above.
2: His name is love. Whoever lives and pleads for me, my name is graven on His hand. My name is written on His heart. I know that while. no tongue can bid me thence deeper when Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within of word I look A sinless Savior died. My sinful soul is counted free. For God the justice is satisfied. To look on Him and pardon me. To look on Him. Father's Righteousness A great unchangeable I am The King of glory And of grace One with Himself I cannot die My soul is purchased
4: By His
2: blood My life is hid With Christ on high With Christ my Savior and my God. With Christ my Savior and my God.
1: I'd like to lead you in a prayer of confession. Merciful and gracious Father, you invite us to confess our sins and shortcomings with the promise of full restoration into the joy of right relationship with you. Humble us by your Spirit and lead us back to life with you. Lord, we confess the ways that we have chosen our own kingdoms and our own plans over yours this week, this month, this year. And Lord, we confess the ways that this has led us to sin against those who stand in the way of us getting what we most desire. Lord, whether that be money or reputation or security or comfort. Lord, we have sinned against each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. We have sinned against our spouses. We've sinned against our children, our parents, our friends, our colleagues, and those you have placed in authority over us, all bearers of your image. And in our sin against your image bearers, Lord, we have ultimately sinned against you. Father, forgive us. Open the eyes of our hearts. Help us to truly know your great love and mercy toward us. To see the perfect, spotless Lamb of God, the Son with whom the Father is well pleased, interceding on our behalf always. And that we would find our significance, our comfort, our security in the fact that the creator of the universe The holy king of heaven would do that for sinners like you and me. In this perfect, spotless righteousness of Christ, we pray all these things. Amen. If your faith is in that righteousness alone, in Christ Jesus, hear these words from the apostle Paul Join us at singing.
2: No way
1: This time, we're going to hear a prayer from Kathy and a scripture reading from my buddy Kaelin.
5: Let us pray. Almighty God, creator of all things, we praise your holy name. Thank you for your mercy and grace which you shower us with daily, renewing and giving us strength for each day. We thank you, Lord, that despite being unable to be together physically, we can still worship, pray, and hear your word together. Thank you for the technology that allows us to do this. Father, thank you for all those who have worked hard to make this happen. Bless them, Lord, in the work that they do. Lord, we lift our world up to you. There is so much turmoil, but we cling fast to you, knowing that you are taking care of everything in your perfect way. We lift our country and our leaders to you, Lord. We pray that you will give wisdom to our leaders and care advisors. We pray for the vaccines that we have to be given carefully to those who need them most. We ask for your protection over our fragile and vulnerable. Father, comfort and bring healing to those who are sick and alone. Give our health care providers hope, strength and wisdom. Lord, we pray for parents who are struggling to work from home and help their children with online learning. We pray for patience and understanding. Lord, we thank you for the gift of new life Thank you for the safe arrival of Vincent, Elijah. We pray for Elizabeth as she ju- adjusts to being a new mom. And we pray for Dad, Vincent. As he has not yet met his son, we pray that you will bring them together soon. Jesus, we pray that you will continue to comfort Johnny's family as they mourn the passing of his grandmother. And we pray for healing for his uncle after his accident. Lord, we pray for strength for Kendra as she adjusts to her new life here in Dundas. We pray for comfort as she adjusts to life without her family being nearby. We pray that you will bring people into her life who can encourage and walk alongside her. Lord, please surround those who are alone during the shutdown. May they press into you and feel how close you are. May peace guard their hearts and give them hope for each day. We thank you for your word, which is powerful and brings life. We pray that we will receive what you have to say to us today through the reading of your word and your message. You have for us. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.
4: Matthew 3, verse 1 to 17. In those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judah and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who has spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of, call, of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judah and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And I do not think you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love, with whom I, well, I am well pleased. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Well, thank you very much, uh... Kathy, for leading us in prayer, and Kaylin, fantastic job uh, reading the scripture passage this morning. I loved your uh, enthusiasm; it was really, really great. As we look at this passage, we're going to get right into it right away. Uh, we're going to do—I'm going to do three things very simply. First of all, I'm going to retell the story, and then I'm going to explain the point of the story, and then I'm going to apply the story. So. What I'd like to do right off the outset is I'd like to explain this story to you. What I want you to do is I want you to kind of imagine yourself there. Picture yourself uh, in the first century as a first century Jew living in and around Jerusalem. And, you know, that shouldn't be hard to do right now because it's, uh, it's about 20 degrees and sunny in Jerusalem at this moment. So you want to be there. So imagine yourself there at this time and uh, you've heard of this this guy named John the Baptist you've heard rumblings about him he's some strange guy who lives out in the wilderness somewhere east of the city and uh, you've heard that that he's very unique he's a Nazarite for one thing which means that he's taken a vow of cleanness Uh, strangely enough his description doesn't sound very clean, because, but, but the vow of cleanness was a vow of spiritual cleanness. He, he, because he's a Nazarite, he uh, doesn't cut his hair, uh, so he's got long hair. He uh, doesn't trim his beard. He's got a long, bushy beard, and he has a strange, uh, a strange uh, uh, diet. It turns out that this guy lives on locusts, which are, which are basically grasshoppers, dipped in honey how's that for a meal three squares a day i hear the grasshoppers are very high in protein so maybe those of you who like to work out want to consider uh, adding them to your uh, to your regimen anyhow he also wears clothing made of camel hair now i learned in my research that apparently there's a type of camel hair that is a, a kind of a luxury item today it's very very soft well that's not what he was wearing Uh, He was wearing this camel hair uh, tunic uh, that was very rough uh, as it was woven together. And so the picture you have of John the Baptist is kind of this wild man. But what you've heard is that he may be a prophet. Now this is notable because there have been no prophets in Israel and in Palestine for the last 400 years. And so you, like everybody else, are very, very curious about what's going on with this character. So out you go to see him. Now he has moved from the wilderness to the banks of the Jordan River and you go looking for him. And it turns out that he's pretty easy to find actually because as we read in verse 5 where it says, people went out to see to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. There were crowds and crowds and crowds of people flocking to this guy to hear him. To hear him preach his message but what's remarkable about this about this is that his message was this verse 2 repent for the kingdom of god or the kingdom of heaven has come near john the baptist was preaching a message of repentance in other words all these people were flocking out there to see him tell them that they were sinners That they had rebelled against God and that what they needed to do was they needed to repent. That is, turn away from their sin and turn toward God because His kingdom was finally coming. And what's amazing is, is that people actually did it. In verse 6, it says, "...confessing their sins, they were baptized by Him in the Jordan River." Which means that people were convicted by His message. They said, yes, we are sinners, we have turned away from God. And they were baptized, which was a symbol of their sinful nature and, and being cleansed of that sinful nature through the washing of water. Now you're standing around and you're watching all this happen and then you see a group of people come who are dressed maybe in in nice clothes and who seem very regal and very somber and very serious and you recognize them quickly as the Pharisees and the Sadducees. These groups made up about 5% of the population but they were the religious leaders of the day. They were the ones who read the Torah and interpreted the Torah and explained the Torah and told the people all the rules they had to follow in order to be in covenant relationship with God. And you think to yourself, "Well, are they coming to be baptized, you discover, very quickly no they're not coming to be baptized in fact they're coming to investigate the ministry of john the baptist but when john sees them he does something pretty shocking he lays into them he says you brood of vipers who warned you to flee the coming wrath Produce fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not think that you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. And you think to yourself, Wow, this John the Baptist figure, man, he's got guts to take on the religious establishment of the day and to talk to them the way he did, he is one intimidating figure. He, he speaks with such incredible authority. You've never heard anything like this before. And so, you're convicted. You're convicted of this message he preaches of repentance. And so, you decide to line up along with everybody else to get baptized because you're thinking to yourself, well, maybe... Maybe this guy's the Messiah. Maybe this guy's the one who's come to lead everybody out of their oppression. They've been under the tyranny of their Roman oppressors, under the yoke of the Romans for so long, and maybe he's the one who has finally come to, to, to throw off that oppression and usher in a new golden age of Israelite life. I mean, he himself is quoting Isaiah in verse 3, he says, A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Maybe he's the Messiah who's preparing the way for the Lord, God, Yahweh himself, to rule his people in power once again. This guy seems to have the goods. He's not afraid. He kind of looks kind of scary and intimidating. He's obviously a very powerful and charismatic kind of speaker. Maybe he's the guy. And with astonishment, you hear him say this, I baptize you with water for repentance. And you think, yes, you do. But he continues, after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And you think to yourself, what? He's not the one? There's somebody somebody greater than him coming, somebody more impressive. He's, he's so much greater than John the Baptist that John says he doesn't even have the right to behave like a slave toward him. That's the, the point of carrying the sandals. Who in the world could that be? You remain in the line, and then after some time you, you start to hear a little bit of a murmur. You look down the back of the line and you see that there's somebody coming forward and and you're, you're wondering, who in the world is that? And they're, they're walking all the way to the water, and, and, and they're, they're, they don't look very impressive. They look like a pretty regular guy themselves, and you think that you want to yell out, hey man, no cuts. And then John the Baptist looks up, and his eyes lock on this figure, and he just sort of freezes. And his mouth is kind of agape. And after a, a moment, he, he kind of shakes his head and he, he pops out of his trance again and he, he points to this figure coming toward him, this regular looking guy, and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, the Agnes Dei." he proclaims. And as soon as he says it, and you look at this figure Jesus, you, you kind of... Get the sense that his presence just just fills the atmosphere. There's something about him. He does seem kind of different. and, and John the Baptist is saying that, that this is the Messiah. This is, as John uh, the Apostle John says in his rendition, or is his version of this story, he says, he's the chosen one of God. But then things get really weird because this man approaches john the baptist and he says baptize me now remember baptism is the right of sinners. It's something that a sinner is meant to do. It's, it's to symbolize their confession and their repentance. And, and John has just said that this is the one who's going to take away the sin of the world. And, and John the Baptist, he's a smart guy, and he says, well, let me help you out with your theology, uh, uh, Jesus. Uh, I need to be baptized by you, not you by me. In other words, he's saying, I'm supposed to be in your place. You're supposed to be in my place. This is kind of backwards. Why in the world would you submit to the symbol of God's judgment on sin while I'm up here administering that sim, Excuse me, that symbol to you? And Jesus says, well, actually, I'm the resident theologian around here. And in verse 15, he says, let it be so now, it is proper for us to, to do this to fulfill all righteousness. In other words, what Jesus is saying to John the Baptist is, is, is this is my mission. My mission is to come as a substitute. I, need, I know I don't need baptism for myself. I am not a sinner who needs to confess my sin, but, but I have come as part of my mission to repent in your place, to identify myself with your lot, with your, your situation, to live my life in your place, and then I am going to die my death in your place. It has all been a mission of substitution so that you can stand one day in my place. Now there's more to the story and we're going to continue the story in a minute. But let me just start explaining. Let me start moving to point two for a minute. What Jesus is saying when he says, let it be so now that we may fulfill all righteousness. Jesus is saying, I am the second Adam. You see, our first parent, Adam, he represented the human race. And when when he rebelled against God, when he chose to be his own Savior and Lord, because of him, because of his sin, we all fell in him as a representative and you may think that that sounds a little bit weird, but, but we still have these kinds of, of uh, uh, representatives today, not on the same scale, of course, but we still have them. I think, think of prime ministers uh, who speak on behalf of the country, so when things happen around the world and someone for Canada speaks, it's usually the pri- prime minister as a representative, or, or think of ambassadors that, that live in countries, they speak on behalf of the country that they uh, come from, and they speak to the host country in which they find themselves. Well, Adam failed us as our representative. And because of his failure, we have fallen into sin. And now, when we are born, we are born sinful. And we, like Adam, have this genetic flaw that causes us to want to rebel against God and want to live according to our own laws and our own rules and our own rights and wrongs. And Jesus is saying in this this story, he's saying, I have come as the second Adam. I have come to represent you. I have come to fulfill all righteousness. In other words, I have come to obey God fully and completely and perfectly. And I have come to love God with my entire being. The way that we're all supposed to. You see, Jesus didn't just come to die. He came to live too. If he had just come to die, if he had just come to go to the cross, that, then, then why didn't Jesus, why did Jesus have to be born of Mary, and why did he have to live all these years? Why didn't he just kind of parachute, like just punch a hole in the ceiling of the world somehow and, and parachute in and go to the cross and die for our sins and be done with it? Because Jesus didn't just have to die, he had to live, too. So that when we trust in Him. When we believe in him, then God looks upon us and sees his perfect obedience on our behalf. Now, John the Baptist may not get all that at this point, probably doesn't understand all of that at this point, but Jesus says to him, let it be so now, and John the Baptist says, okay, and he obeys and he baptizes Jesus. Now after the baptism the clouds break and John sees this dove descending from heaven and he hears a voice he hears the voice of God himself verse 17 this is my son whom i love with him i am well pleased it's only one of or it's one of only 3 times in the entire new testament that God's voice is audibly heard. And you may not know this, but in in saying what he said, God actually quotes two Old Testament passages. He quotes Psalm 2 and he quotes uh, Isaiah 42. And in Psalm chapter 2, or Psalm chapter 2, in Psalm 2, he says, this is my son. Psalm 2 is is a very... Famous, what's called Messianic Psalm. It's a psalm that describes this coming one of God who is going to reestablish the kingdom of God on earth forever. And he will rule. And the Jews knew this psalm and they looked for the Messiah who was going to fulfill this psalm. And God is, is declaring that this Jesus is the one like that. But then he also says, With him I am well pleased, which is a quote from Psalm. Or sorry, Isaiah 42. And that was a little bit trickier for the Jews to understand. Because in Isaiah, there's this strange figure called the suffering servant. And in Psalm uh, 42 and in Psalm 53, the suffering servant is described. And the Jews didn't know who this suffering servant was. And they didn't really know quite what to do with him. Because it says in Psalm 53, listen to this. This is verses 3 and Through 5, it says this about that suffering servant. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. This is this strange figure who who seems to be getting the punishment for sin that we deserve in our place and the Jews didn't understand who that figure was. Could that figure be the same as this kingly Messiah that was going to come and rule? Well, that didn't work. Yet, here God says, yes. The king will rule as a servant. His triumph will come through judgment, his victory will come through defeat. You see, the kingly figure and the servant figure are one and the same. He's my son, whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. And the Holy Spirit descends on him and anoints him and commissions him for his ministry in the form of a dove. All right, now back to explaining. We're back to point two. I'm going to say three things about this passage in terms of explanation first of all what does the what is the significance of the baptism of jesus the significance of the baptism of jesus is that in his baptism jesus identifies with us he throws his lot in with us he says i am with those people now remember who those people are remember who you are, remember how scripture describes us outside of our relationship with Jesus Christ. We are weak, we are willful, we are foolish, we are needy and neurotic and selfish and petty and childish and pig-headed. That's what we are like. And Jesus says, they're my people. People like that. Those are are the ones i care about those are the ones i love those are the ones i identify myself with they're my peeps the second thing is this when the holy spirit comes down on jesus in the form of a dove what he does is is he empowers jesus for ministry we're going to learn more about this next week when we look at the temptation of jesus in the desert but But we need to understand something about Jesus. And this is incredible. I think a lot of Christians don't get this. Jesus did not receive his divine nature at his baptism. Jesus, the divine Son of God, took on a human nature when he was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. So he always had his divine nature. But when he became incarnate when he was born of the virgin mary he voluntarily gave up the prerogatives of his divinity when when we look at jesus miracles and we we see the things that he was able to do in his life and ministry we typically we chalk it up to the fact that he's divine we say well he's divine of course he has like superman powers because he's a god not just a man but But the scriptures teach that Jesus was empowered by the Holy Spirit to do the things he did and, and to preach the way he preached. In other words, he had to rely on the Holy Spirit in the same way that you and I do to accomplish his mission. And the third thing. When God the Father says, This is my Son whom I love, with whom I am well pleased... The Father affirms the Son as he undergoes his mission. And that's going to be very important next week when we look at the, at, the, uh, at the temptation of Jesus. Now, let me apply this for you. And what I'm going to do is, is I'm going to actually riff off, riff, not rip, riff off a, a Facebook post that a woman um, from our church put up recently on Facebook. My wife, Jessica, showed me this, this post. Uh, it was a very, very good post. And it resonated with a lot of people because it got tons and tons of likes, more likes than you would, typically, you would typically see. And she wrote this post as among of young children to moms of young children. And especially in light of COVID and the latest restrictions where schools seem to be closed for the, for the next couple of weeks and maybe longer, uh, many young moms, especially with little kids at home, are feeling the pressure of that. And she was writing to them. And so I want to apply this specifically to them. That doesn't mean that the rest of us can't get anything out of this application. So keep listening. But I will be honest, I am speaking largely directly to this demographic we have many young families in this church with many young moms trying to care for these kids in these crazy times and so i want to speak to you and apply this 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 passage to your situation so i'm going to read from this facebook post she writes this recently i read about how there's a lot of mama you got this and Girl, you're going to rock this year stuff out there in Facebook land. She says, I'm not sure we're going to rock this. And I'm not sure we've got this either. If I'm honest, I think there are a good chunk of us, including moms and working moms, that are limping along or running on fumes as we head into the uncertainty of January and school and lockdown and what it all holds for us and our families. Now, this woman happens to be a counselor. And she goes on to talk about how at the counseling practices where she works, there's been a huge surge in clientele, a large percentage of which is made up of women seeking emotional support. And she continues, women carry the lion's share of caregiving in families. And that's true. And that's that's not a religious statement. That's not a cultural statement. That's just reality always have continuing to quote and they're anxious and they're tired and they sometimes feel pressure from i don't even know where to rock this year and so she goes on to encourage women in a, in a way kind of giving them permission not to be super women this is what she writes so i'm here to tell you that it's okay not to rock it it's okay if you don't got it you're simply going to do what you can to get through every day. And then further down she writes, And by the way, it's okay to just be normal. I'm not saying it's okay to give up entirely, to pack it in, give everyone the short end of the stick, only to crawl out of our pro- your proverbial hole in June. But it's okay to be a bit or a lot worn down. It's okay not to be a superhuman no one gets a medal after this. No one gets a prize for cleanest house during a pandemic or most sourdough loaves baked. I really like that one. Uh, or for the kid who learned a new instrument. It's okay to be a bit weary. It's okay to stay up in the night worrying about your people. It's okay that our caring for our loved ones shows up on our face, on our hips. In our hair color or under our eyes, it's okay to leave the dishes for tomorrow, kiss our good people on the forehead, pray for them, then flop into bed with our feet hanging halfway off the bed and the light still on. It's really an excellent, excellent post. And I just want to apply the three things I explained to this situation to encourage women just as this woman had done. And encourage them with the gospel. Many, many of you young moms and many women generally feel a tremendous amount of pressure to please. Christian women in particular, they, they feel like if I'm a good Christian woman, uh, I, or sorry, I am a good Christian woman if I rock it for Jesus in my home. But what this passage tells us, friends, is that you don't have to rock it in your home. You don't need to be super mom or super wife or super worker or super boss because Jesus has done it all for you. You have nothing to prove. Nothing to prove to the one that really matters because Jesus has proven it all for you. He lived the life you should have lived. And when you feel like you're not measuring up because you lose it with your kids or because the house is a mess or whatever, please, please, please look at Jesus. He voluntarily identified himself with you and said, she's my peep She's my people, and I have lived a perfectly obedient life. I have never sinned once on her behalf. That's the first thing. Second of all, this Jesus has not left you to flounder. He's given us the Holy Spirit to carry on. First of all, by freeing us to actually believe this gospel message that jesus has done it all for us but second of all to encourage us you see in john chapter 14 jesus tells his disciples i'm going to send the comforter the holy spirit is what he's talking about he's talking about the holy spirit and he calls him a comforter Now that means, yes, that the Holy Spirit does come alongside us in our grief and our hardship hardship and bear us up, but actually the word carries with it the idea of encouragement as you face tomorrow and as you face your challenges. He empowers you with courage to face the challenges you face, not because you've got this, but because he's got this. Not because you have the strength to carry on, but because he has the strength to carry on and he has promised to grant you the strength to carry on. And then third, because Jesus did it all and because God the Father delights in him and because Jesus identifies himself with you, you are now a daughter of the king. This is for you. What I mean is, is that when you wanna blow up, when you wanna give up, when you wanna break down and you wanna lie down, whenever the devil tries to tell you, you're not a good mom, you're not a good wife, you're not a good friend, you're not a good daughter, you're not a good worker, you're not a good boss, whenever you feel forced even to concede that you don't got this, that you can't rock this. Whenever you want to curl up in your bedroom closet and cry because of everything that's gone wrong in the world around you and you can't do anything about it, the God of the universe Speaks to your heart and your soul and says, You are my daughter whom I love. With you I am well pleased. There's not a human on the face of the earth that doesn't need this encouragement. if you're not a mother of young children, if you're a single woman or a single man, if you're a grandpa or a grandma, if you're a middle-aged guy like me, you need to hear this too. Jesus identifies with us. The Holy Spirit empowers us. And God Almighty affirms us all through His Son. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for the baptism Of your son Jesus where we see and we acknowledge and we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that he is the one he is the one who has come to live for us that he is the one who has come to die for us and that he conquered our guilt and our shame by taking it all to the cross and then burying it in the grave and so when we put our trust in him our shame and our guilt need not cling to us father impress upon us this glorious message so that as we face our responsibilities whether we're young moms or old maids or everything in between male and female father we will face each day in strength letting those words ring in our ears this is my son this is my daughter whom i love with you i am well pleased Amen.
2: Worthy is the Lamb, worthy is Lamb.
0: i got to get my phone. So good work, GVC. i got a couple of questions. I'm going to try to answer them uh, quite quickly. The first question is, um, did all the people who were there see the Holy Spirit descend onto Jesus and hear the voice of God identifying him? And the answer to that is, no, I don't think so, but... Yes, let me explain what I mean. Um, When John, uh, in the Gospel of John, gives his account of this event, uh, he says that John the Baptist, the one who did the baptizing, he said this, he said in, in verse 32, this is from John chapter 1 and verse 32, I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him, and I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. Now, what that seems to indicate is that, the, that John was the only one who heard the voice and saw the dove, because it was a special confirmation to john of the identity of jesus as the messiah and that makes sense given the fact that that it's john actually matthew in in matthew chapter 11 he uh, he records that john he he experiences some doubt later on about the identity of jesus and he actually asks are you the one or should we be looking for another one Uh, jesus doesn't refer to his baptism as the the reason that John can be certain that, that he is the one, but I think that, that it indicates that John needed this affirmation, this personal affirmation. The reason I said no, however, is that because John then goes on to tell everybody what he experienced. So the fact of the Spirit descending upon Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, or and the, the voice of God speaking to Jesus and speaking to John, about Jesus, that fact is communicated to everybody else as a as a way of confirming Jesus as the one uh, who was sent. So, that's my thoughts on that one. Uh, the other question is: um, What is the role of evangelism? Uh, what is the role of evangelism? Can someone, or as a parent, what is the role of evangelism? Can someone be convinced? to repent or is it the work of the holy spirit it's easy to teach children to repent because of the consequences of sin which makes them feel guilty versus being sorry that their sin separates them from god and that grace is available um you kind of answered your question uh in your question the holy spirit alone convicts people of sin it's one of the things that jesus says about the holy spirit when he's talking about the holy spirit to his disciples in john 14 when he says i'm going to send." Uh, a counselor, a comforter to you. He says that one of the things he's going to do is he's going to convict the world of sin. The Holy Spirit's work is to convict us of sin, and yet parents are called to remind their children that they that they are sinners. Something that their kids know deep down underneath. The problem is, is that we are we are very proud beasts, creatures, beasts. I shouldn't say beasts. We are proud creatures, as as human beings. We are self-justifiers, and so we don't want to repent. We don't want to admit our shortcomings and our sins. We fight it tooth and nail every chance we get. And oftentimes, if we do repent, the only reason we're doing it is because we're trying to avoid the consequences of our sin. It's not necessarily uh, uh, authentic repentance. True repentance is exactly as you described. Not hating... It's hating what you've done, not because of the consequences of, of it, but because of what you've done to the relationship with your, with your God because of it. Separating yourself from your God. And we've we got to remind our kids that that's what repentance is about. So that we don't turn our kids into legalistic repenters. We've got to keep calling them to remember that life in communion with God is far sweeter than any other kind of life. And the pathway to that kind of life... Is always and ever through repentance. Oh, um, well, this is an interesting question. What are the thoughts? What are your thoughts of people, denominations who use this passage as the example for infant dedication and then adult baptism, citing the fact that Jesus received the sign of the covenant twice through circumcision and baptism? I actually don't know this as one of the main arguments for. Uh, what you could call believers' baptism, um, I, I I don't actually think it fits uh, very well. Um, what do I what do I say about that? I say that I will write you a longer explanation um, later on. Uh, it's an interesting question, but like I said, I have not seen it as an argument as a main argument at least, of kind of in the debate between uh, uh, covenantal baptism and what, what is often described as believers uh, or credo baptism. But thank you for the question. Thank you very much for the question. i got to think on that. Okay, we've come to the end of our service. Friends, thank you for bringing, sending in your questions. I hope this has, has, been, uh, has worked and that has been good for all of us. I invite you now to stand uh, with me, please. And let's receive God's benediction, which is, which is another way of God saying to you, you are his son, you are his daughter, whom he loves, with you he is well pleased. These are God's words to you as you face whatever you face this week. You face them knowing these truths about you. Lift up your hearts to God and receive his benediction. The Lord blesses you and keeps you. The Lord makes his face to shine upon you and is gracious to you. The Lord turns his face towards you and gives you his peace. Amen. Have a wonderful day.